Um, we are taking a break from our continuing study of the seven churches in Revelation, and we have a guest preacher today. We are delighted. So we're in for a real treat here and in the worship service that is to follow. Uh, before we begin, let me just acknowledge the participants in the Anglican Leadership Institute. They are with us today. I want to thank Reverend Dr. Peter Moore and his wife, Sandra, for the work that they do with that, the ministry. We've been praying for Peter, and uh, the prayers of the righteous availeth much, because look at him. He looks better than I do, which is just really irritating. But at any rate, <laughs> Peter, we're so delighted to have you here today and, and so thrilled that, that God is blessing you, and we're thankful for your ministry here. And we're thankful for the participants of the Anglican Leadership Institute or from all over the world, really, and with us today. So if they would be so kind as to just stand up for a moment so that we can acknowledge you and... Thank you. A reminder to us all of the international nature of the church, the universal nature of Christ's church, and that we are brothers and sisters, even though we may never have met each other. Uh, we're going to spend eternity together, so we're so grateful for you and delighted to have you with us today. Our, our guest preacher today is uh, one of the speakers at the ALI, and we are thrilled to be able to have him. He is well known in the Church of England. He is a canon to one of the cathedrals over there. What did you say? It was was it Coventry Cathedral, so great cathedral over there, and we're so thrilled to have him with us. The Reverend Canon J. John, all the way from England on the outskirts of London, uh, welcome. We'd love to have you with us today, so come forward, please. And I'm going to turn it over to him in just a minute. He does a show, I think I mentioned this last week, called Face the Canon. Well, that's clever, isn't it? So face the canon. So that's what you're going to get today. You're going to face the canon today. So, um, But he is the author of a number of books, and I see he's got some uh, a number of them up here with him, but they are for sale right outside the main doors of the lobby, in the lobby here. So if you want to, uh, I've already gotten some of these. Um, you know, you got to vet the speaker before they get here, and I, I can tell you, he passes muster. So you'll be richly blessed if you pick up a copy of his books, but we're delighted to have you with us today. And I'm not going to take up any more time. God bless you, and welcome to St. Philip's. Thank you very much. All right. Good morning. Well, thank you very much uh, to the rector and uh, to Peter uh, for inviting my wife, Killy, and I uh, to the Anglican Institute. Looking forward to spending Monday and Tuesday with you and uh, dialoguing and listening. And uh, it's also great that two of my great friends uh, have come from Charlotte to be here today. Uh, they're both doctors. Uh, one of them preaches and one of them practices. And, uh, and my two great friends, uh, Dr. Leighton Ford, who is my mentor and has been my mentor for about uh, 25 years, and uh, my friend Craig. Thank you very much for being here uh, as well. Well, you know, when I get asked, J. John, what do you do? It's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to people that I'm an evangelist, which I am, that conjures up images in people's minds as to what I might be. If I tell them that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up different images. If I tell them that I'm a canon, uh, what does that mean? You know? And it's like it's so confusing. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. 
I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport in London. And I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. And uh, I said, where are you going? She says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. And then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She says, do you? I said, yes, I do. We've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She says, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hostels and homeless shelters, and we've got orphanages. We have feeding programs. We do justice work. We do reconciliation work. We do marriage work. We do educational work. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> She went, wow. Her wow was so loud, people all turned around and looked at us. She goes, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? You know, that is what we are all part of. We are part of this global enterprise. And not only is it global, it's intergalactic because it includes everyone that's gone before us. You know, what? How amazing. Uh, I really appreciate that the rector has uh, given me this opportunity to speak here, to postpone one week of revelation. And um, so I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to share a few little uh, different insights um, from my journey of faith and from being um, in ministry for 40 years. There was a workman, and at the end of a working day, he's leaving the factory, and he's pushing out his wheelbarrow. And inside the wheelbarrow, there's a small package. He's stopped by a security guard, and the guard says, what is in your wheelbarrow? He says, a small package, a small box. He says, I know it's a small box. What is in the box? He says, well, you know the sawdust that's on the floor at the end of a working day? Well, it's swept up and it's thrown away. Well, I needed some. So I put it in the, in the box and I'm taking it home. The guard says, open the box. Opens the box, it's sawdust. Out you get. That was Monday. Same thing happened Tuesday. Same thing happened Wednesday. Same thing happened Thursday. Friday, he's leaving. He's pushing out his wheelbarrow inside the wheelbarrow, small box. It's the same security guard. The guard says, it's you again. What you got in the box? I've got the same as the other four days. I've got sawdust. Open it. Opens it. It's sawdust. The guard says, I've got this feeling that you are stealing something. He goes, look, just tell me what you're stealing, and I promise I won't report you. So the man goes, all right then, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. <laughs> now, isn't life a little bit like that? Sometimes we can get so preoccupied with a little thing that we get distracted. It's like we have something in our shoe. What, oh, what's in my shoe? Have I, yeah, and, and we miss the view. And 
perspective is so, so important. You see, we look up at Jesus on the cross, but Jesus looked down from the cross. The view is very different. And, and we need to be able to, to say, Lord, help me to see how you see. How do you see things? Help me to have your perspective. What's your perspective? Now, many of us suffer from the Columbus Syndrome. The Columbus Syndrome is Columbus set off and he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. When he got back, he didn't know where he'd been. And there's an element where we're, we're, we're always a bit struggling as to where we're going. Where are we? Where have we been? And we need some kind of clarity to be able to see. So perspective, perspective, purpose. What, what, what is our purpose? What is it? Well, it was summed up by St. Paul. Our purpose is to know Christ and to make him known. Those are the, the, like the two bookends of our lives. Knowing Christ, make him him known. Making him known. That, that's what it's all about. And on Tuesday night, I'll be here and I'll be teaching on how we can make Christ known. Uh, can I encourage you to come back on Tuesday? Um, it doesn't matter where you live. I've come from London. So <laughs> I don't think you're coming further away. So Tuesday, we're going to focus on how do we make him known in our world today. Now, what's very, very important is, is positioning. So think of your life like a car, okay? The car of your life. To be a Christian, okay, the word Christian has got the word Christ in it. And if you remove the word Christ from the word Christian, you're left with I-A-N. Ian isn't going to help you. Wow. You see, to be a Christian means you're connected to Christ. Okay, so use the analogy of the car. Okay, to be a Christian means Christ is in the car of your life. Okay, now, of course, we're Christians. Christ is in the car. He's in our car. Okay, where is Christ in your car? Do you drive your car to church, unlock the trunk, get Jesus out for a religious happy hour? <laughs> At the end of the service, get back in there. <laughs> now, there are some people, you see, who go to church and express their faith, but the rest of the week, you wouldn't know. There wouldn't be any visibility about it. People at work wouldn't know. The neighbors wouldn't know. So for some, having Christ can be quite invisible. Now, other people, no, 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 J. John, come on, he's not in the trunk. He's in the car. Great, where is he in the car? Is he on the back seat? A bit of a passenger. Front passenger seat. In other words, a bit more of a companion, but still a passenger. Now, you're one step ahead of me. You're all knowing, you're thinking, we know where you're going with this analogy, J. John. You don't, actually. 
But you all think, J. John's now going to say, is Jesus in the driving seat of the car of your life? Yes, I am. Is Jesus in the driving seat of the car of your life? Now, every single one of us who thought, yes, Jesus is in the driving seat, I've got one more question for you. Are you a backseat driver? <laughs> the car gets to an intersection. Jesus turns left. Where are you going? I'm going down the road of generosity. I don't want to be generous. Gets to another intersection. Jesus turns right. Where are you going? Well, I'm going down the, the road of forgiveness. I don't want to forgive. Now, I know what that's like. I don't, did you ever see the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? <laughs> right, I'm Greek, okay? I'm Greek, I'm, I'm bilingual, uh, I speak Greek, I read the New Testament in Greek. You know when some um, church leaders say the Greek means this? It usually doesn't. And uh, <laughs> you can trust me. I'm bilingual, right? Okay, so I'm Greek. I was brought up as a Greek. When that movie first came out, um, a friend of mine said to me, John, Jay John, is that what Greek culture's like? I said, no, it's worse. <laughs> My mother is a travel agent for guilt trips. <laughs> I don't know whether any of you can identify with a relative like that. You know, if I want to feel guilty, just call my mother. One minute, I, I'll feel guilty about something, yeah? <laughs> but you see, Jesus says to me, forgive, forgive, forgive. You see, it's very easy for me to say, ah, oh, Jesus is in my life. Jesus is in my car. I've got Jesus. What does that mean? How, how do we know that Jesus is in the driving seat? How do we know? Well, I would suggest that we could ask five questions. Use the word first, F. I-R-S-T, and ask five questions. F, is he first, F, in my finances? That would be uh, the first of my five questions. Is he first in my finances? Because if he's first in my finances, it's a very, very good sign that he's first in my life. There was um, a man at an airport, and uh, he wanted to buy a coffee and a bag of very small donuts. So he buys his bag of um, donuts, he buys his coffee, he's looking for somewhere to sit. But all the tables are all taken. He sees one table where there's one man sitting, so he thinks, I'll just go and sit there. So he goes to the table, he puts his coffee down, he puts his bags down, he takes his coat off, puts it on the chair, sits down, gets his coffee, opens it, has a sip. Picks up the bag of donuts, opens it, takes out a donut, starts eating the donut, puts the bag down. The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donuts, takes out a donut, smiles and starts eating it. The other man cannot believe what that man has just done. He's just stolen one of my donuts. I mean, what is the world coming to? So he picks up the bag of donuts, 
He takes out another donut. He moves the bag to the edge of the table. He turns and reads his paper. The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donuts, takes out another donut, starts eating it, and he smiles at the man. So the other man thinks, he's obviously not quite there, is he? The elevator doesn't go to the top. And he thought, I'd better not say anything, because you don't know these days, the man might be violent. You don't know. So looks at his watch. Oh, dear, it's time for me to go. He gets up. He puts his coat on. He bends down to pick up his bag. And sitting on top of his bag was his bag of donuts. <laughs> he was complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when the truth was the other man was sharing his donuts. Now listen, God owns all the donuts. Okay, God owns all the donuts. So let's not complain. They're all God's donuts. Every week, you and I get given a bag of donuts. Every week, God gives us a bag of donuts. Now, in each of the donuts, there are 10 donuts. Uh, There are 10 donuts in each bag, but the value of the donuts will vary from person to person. Now, these donuts are secular donuts. God says, I want you to take one of those secular donuts And I want you to give it to me in the church community that you belong to. Now, what do most Christians say in response to that? No, no. Look, there's 10 donuts. If I gave one donut, I'll have nine donuts, but I need 11. (laughs) And if I need 11 donuts, why would I give away a donut? You see, but you see, they're secular donuts. When you take one of those secular donuts and week by week you say, God, this is yours. In fact, they're all yours, but you've told me to give one of these to the church community that I belong to. When you offer it to God in the church community that you belong to, that sacred donut, that secular donut becomes sacred. When that secular donut becomes sacred, the other nine secular donuts become sacred. Nine sacred donuts are worth more than ten secular ones. Seriously. So, do you want to put Christ in the driving seat of your life? Are you tithing? Do you want God to open up the heavens and come down? Are you tithing? Sometimes people will come up to me and say, Oh, Canon J. John, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? And, and I'll say, Yes, sir, of course I'll pray for you. And then sometimes I might say, Oh, you know, do you tithe? 
no. And I said, oh, could you start and then come back and I'll pray for you? <laughs> because can you see what they're doing? They're trying to get me to have a word with God so that God could do something for them, even though they're ignoring what God has instructed. You see, what we're saying here is, do we really want to do God's will? Do we really want to put Christ in the driving seat? And God says in Malachi, you just test me on this one. Just test me on this one. And just see what I will do for you. Now, some of you might have to reflect on back payments. (laughs) We're now treading on very sensitive territory. I can feel it. I can feel it. But that's something that you and God need to talk about. And if you are in a, in a financial position to do back payments, you should. And if you're not in a position to do that, you should start today. Start today. Put Christ first in your finances and just see what God will do. F. I. Put God first in your interests. What is it that preoccupies your mind? If you had to review your day, review your week, what is it? Is God first in your interests? First? David said, you know, uh, I, I will pray to you morning, noon, and night. I'll kind of fix my watch. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to be at the beginning. You're going to be at the middle. You're going to be at the end. You're the one that's going to be the fixed position of my life. F-I-R. Is he first in my relationships? You know, it's interesting that when a um, husband and a wife might have some battle issues like this, and and I've spoken to various people, my wife and I have over the years uh, through the ministry, and what puzzles me is this. You know, when a husband and a wife are kind of at loggerheads, If if Christ was first in the husband's life and Christ is first in the wife's life, why would Christ fight Christ? Why would Christ fight Christ? Christ? Christ wouldn't fight Christ. Is he first in my relationships? Because when he is, there is something very empowering about experiencing um, his wisdom, his grace, his presence, his peace, his power in our lives. F-I-R-S, is he first in my schedule? Is he first in my schedule? I don't know what your, your rhythm of the day is like. Um, uh, my wife and I, we wake up in the morning and um, we have a set time that we wake up to. We're a bit jet lagged at the moment, so it's a little bit different. Um, but we, we wake up at 6 a.m. most days. And the first thing we do is we pray the Lord's Prayer. That's the first thing we do. A reminder in 70 words, Christ's 
principles for life. And we pray the Lord's Prayer. Then we pray a prayer that a man in the Bible called Jabez prayed. Bless us indeed. Widen our influence. May your hand be upon us. May you protect us from evil. Then we pray for our family. Uh, Then we pray for our Jerusalem. We pray for people who don't yet know Christ. Then we pray for all the people that we have, that we pray for on a daily basis, who need a healing miracle. And my wife and I, we uh, read, we follow a Bible reading plan. Uh, It's called Robert Murray McShane. Uh, You can download that off the internet, where you read four chapters of the Bible, two in the morning, two in the evening. And if you stick to it for a year, you'll read through the Old Testament once, the book of Psalms twice, and the New Testament twice. So that's our rhythm of Bible reading uh, that we do. Um, You know, who was it? Someone said, uh, you tune the instrument, the instruments, before the orchestra plays, not afterwards. And it's a good discipline, isn't it? Is he first in my schedule? Is he first in my schedule? First, F-I-R-S-T. First in my finances, first in my interests, first in my relationships. S, first in my schedule. T, first in my troubles. First in my troubles. Do you know, I was just overwhelmed meeting Peter this morning. Uh, overwhelmed. I, I only, I'm going to hang out with him for two days, but I just met him for a couple of minutes, and I thought, my word, you, you just meet him for a couple of minutes, and you just feel uh, inspired. Uh, I, I just spent two minutes talking to him, and I had a faith lift. <laughs> I did. I probably do need a facelift, but I had a faith lift. I was just like inspired. Here is a man who has put Christ first in his troubles. You know, we Christians are an Easter people living in a Good Friday world, but it often feels like Easter Saturday. And we cling to the fact that he is risen, but we're living in a broken Good Friday world. And we just trust him and we trust him and we trust him. And, uh, you know, we live in this world of miracle and mystery. Um, there's a saying that it's not over till the fat lady sings. Now, I honestly don't know who that fat lady is, but it's not over. You know, and we have read the last page. We've read the last book. We've read the ending, and we know all will be well. And that's quite inspiring uh, and really encouraging for us to say, yes, I, I can trust the Lord. I can trust the Lord. And I choose to put Jesus first in my finances, in my interests, in my relationships, in my schedule, uh, and in my troubles. I put you in the driving seat of my life. And when we make that choice, we make that decision, his Holy Spirit just fills us and his Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So another way of testing is how much love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control do we have? And if we're lacking any of that, it might be that we need to reposition Jesus. Because it will be a bit like, you know, sometimes when you're driving along and there's a little um, light that's flashing in your car. It's always uh, annoying, isn't it, when a little light flashes in your car. I mean, whenever it flashes in my car, I'm trying to knock it to stop it. (laughs) I'm like, stop, stop, stop. But the little red light is just telling me there's a problem. And I'm thinking, ignore the problem. No, 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 no. It's telling me I've got a problem. And um, uh, we take our car for an annual service. In England, it's called an MOT. Uh, You take your car for an annual service. And every time we take it for the annual service, I'm always hoping we don't get the phone call, you know, because I'm hoping it's just the normal, basic stuff. But then you do get the phone call. Oh, Mr. John, just to let you know, oh, you need new brake pads. I said, okay, how much is that? Oh, okay, that's fine. Oh, and you're going to need a new uh, windscreen wiper. Oh, okay, how much is that? Uh, And actually, you need three new tires, Mr. John. (laughs) Really? Yeah, you do, actually. Uh, And I said, well, it's driving really well at the moment. (laughs) Well, it's not going to be driving well soon. Well, to be honest, Mr. John, if I'm really honest, you need a new engine. (laughs) If I were you, Mr. John, get a new car. You know, and, you know, sometimes we think it's all okay. And and I actually think it's very good for us to have that annual, what I would, in British terms, annual MOT. You know, uh, we take our cars, but we don't often uh, MOT our lives. And... um, to be able to kind of uh, reflect and realign, renew, re-envision. And sometimes you don't know how the stresses and strains of life, the distractions, the diversions, sometimes it isn't um, always conscious. Um, And without realizing it, It's like, wow, I thought he was there, but I've slipped and I've put him in the passenger seat or I've put him in the trunk. Where is Jesus in the car of our lives? Do you know, every time we come to church on a Sunday, that's the question we're asking. (laughs) That's the question we're asking. Is he in the driving seat? Let me put him in there. Putting first. Finances, interests, relationships, schedule, troubles. Let's just pause for a moment. Just close your eyes just for a moment of quiet reflection.
and in a moment I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, if you feel, yes, God, God has touched you or spoken to you this morning, and you feel, yes, I think I do need to reposition Jesus, and I, I do need to put him first in my finances, interests, relationships, schedule, troubles, and if you feel that you've got to reposition Jesus, in just a moment, I'm actually going to ask you to do something. I, I'm going to ask you just to stand up. I, I'm not asking you to stand up to embarrass you. I, I honestly would not want to do that. All I'm, I'm asking you to do is to express your desire to take a stand um, and to say, yes, Lord, I really, truly want that for my life. And then when you stood up, I'll pray a prayer. I'll ask you to pray the prayer, uh, and then you can sit down, and I'll say a prayer for you. If you would like to um, commit, recommit, reposition Jesus uh, this morning, uh, could you just please stand up? Please stand. Thank you. Thank you. The great good news of, the, uh, of Jesus and of the gospel is that he died for us on a cross so that we can be cleansed, we can be forgiven, and we can be in the words of a great hymn, ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. I'll pray a prayer. I will pray this prayer phrase by phrase. I will pray it once so you know the words. And then the second time, would you pray the prayer with me out loud? Here's the prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. Thank you, together, thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I thank you that you rose from the dead and you are alive today. I thank you that you rose from the dead and you are alive today. I know I have done many things wrong. I know I have done many things wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse my life. Cleanse my life. Set me free from the past. Set me free from the past. I invite you into the driving seat of my life. I invite you into the driving seat of my life. I choose this day to put you first in my life. I choose this day to put you first in my life. I put you first in my finances. I put you first in my finances, in my interests, in my interests, in my relationships, in my relationships, in my schedule, in my schedule, and in my troubles, and in my troubles. Fill me now with the presence of your Holy Spirit.
Fill me now with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Help me from this day on. Help me from this day on to build my life on you. To build my life on you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. Just a prayer for you as you stand. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce and I pronounce his forgiveness. May you know his cleansing. May you know his presence, his peace. And may we all know his protection as we endeavor to keep you, Lord Jesus, in the driving seat of our lives. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take your seats. I just want to pray one more prayer. If you have a health concern of any kind, just put your hand on your heart now. Also, maybe someone has a health concern who is someone you love who's not here today. You could put your hand on your heart to represent them. Jesus, we're asking you now as the great physician to release your healing balm. Wash from us sickness and infection and disease. Where there has been any kind of degeneration, we pray for regeneration and we pray for restoration. We pray health and wholeness in body, in mind and spirit. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us a tangible sign of your healing at work. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do hope that you've um, enjoyed um, my uh, contribution. I hope it's inspired you. Um, I know many of you went to the first service and you've come here and you're probably ready for a coffee uh, to go home or whatever. Um, but um, uh, I look forward to those of you that are coming to the, the service now at 1030 as well. And if you can come on Tuesday, uh, please do. If I may just very briefly mention some of these resources. I asked 10 children last year um, to send me all their questions about uh, faith and God and uh, the Bible. And they sent me 70 questions, but uh, I chose 32 of them. Um, uh, will, will my dog go to heaven? Um, were there dinosaurs on the ark? Uh, where is heaven? I love one question from one child. How can Jesus become so small that he can slip into my heart? And um, uh, some amazing questions. And uh, I had a real, I just loved answering these questions. Um, it's only been out a few months. And um, already adults are saying it's the first time they understand the answers. And um, <laughs> so you might like to look at that either for yourself or your children or your grandchildren. Uh, this is on how to share our faith, uh, the practice of praying, caring, and sharing, uh, which I'll be speaking about on Tuesday. And um, th this book, um, Jesus Christ, The Truth, um, explains all the facts um, as to why we believe Jesus Christ is the truth. 
And um, how do we know that? And how do we know he's the truth today? And um, I originally, of course, wrote this for people who are not yet Christians, but I think for Christians as well to read, to reinforce their own faith and their own understanding of why we believe what we believe, um, and also a book to give to somebody who isn't yet uh, a follower of Jesus, but may be curious and might want to read a book as to why we believe in Christianity. And then um, one historian said that men and women are very able creatures. We've come up with over 36 million laws, but we haven't yet improved on God's Ten Commandments. Um, I mean, and they're not ten suggestions, are they? Um, so God's timeless values for life today. Um, and maybe, I don't know uh, whether you're encouraging a particular book to read during Lent, um, but um, if you haven't got a book for Lent, uh, maybe a book looking at God's Ten Commandments might be something uh, that will help you. So, um, actually, I'm going to give all these to Peter. And thank you very, very much. And I look forward to seeing you either in the service or on Tuesday. Thank you, Rector.